2: Inshallah, if you found this podcast useful, please leave a review so others can find out about it. Currently, this podcast is a one-man band. I do produce and do everything on my own, but unfortunately, due to health issues, I'm going to have to reduce the frequency of the episodes that I'm creating. So I really do need to hire some people to help me to produce the podcast and to really market it as well. Now, inshallah, you can help me and support me by doing du'a, inshallah, for my health. And secondly, by donating. You can do that via the link in the podcast notes and also on my Linktree bio, which is farhatameen underscore UK. It's on my Instagram bio as well. Your donations will help me cover production and overhead course and you'll be part of this amazing work, helping me to grow the Smart Muslim Podcast to another level so that we can reach more people educating and sharing this beautiful deen, Islam. I'm tremendously honoured and blessed to have a community of people who value what I do. So again, thank you so much for your du'as, reviews and donations.
3: Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu Salam ala rasulillah Dear brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to this Ilmfeed podcast episode. I'm your host Fatima Barakatullah and today I have a lovely guest with me. Uh, I'm going to introduce her in a moment. She is Farhat Amin. She's an author and host of the podcast Smart Muslimah. She shares life advice via her website, smartmuslima.com, which, inshallah, is there to help women achieve confidence in their faith. Her aim is to equip women with practical Islamic solutions to the challenges they face. And she says that many single muslimas are finding it difficult to get married. And so in her new book, Smart Single Muslima, she explores the ideas that are creating this problem in muslim communities Uh, and here's her book i'm going to say salam to sister now Assalamu alaikum
2: how are you
3: alhamdulillah i've got your book here i've been reading it alhamdulillah before we start talking about it i just wanted to thank you because i just realized that you were the lady behind muslimstickers.com was
2: it that's it yeah Yeah. the muslim sticker company i i I had that about i started that about 10 years ago and yeah and i was
3: a customer (laughs) i was an avid customer especially when all my kids were like they're all teenagers now but (laughs) most of them Uh, but when they were especially like primary school age you Mm -hmm. know i found them indispensable
2: oh alhamdulillah that's good. So it was. Uh, so y- yeah, it was. Uh, it was an idea I came up with. Um, whilst I was doing my teaching, I, I just thought, you know, as Muslims, mm. are kind of missing a trick here. As far the stickers, i was surprised by the power of stickers. To be honest, you know, <laughs> you could get yeah. them to do anything to get a sticker, and If we can, yeah. If we can mm. have some kind of Islamic encouragement to learn Quran through stickers. You know, good behavior mm-hmm. through stickers. And yeah, and because at that time there wasn't a lot out there, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And I think also then like the Eid decorations, the Ramadan decorations, I never, the intention was never to emulate non-Muslims, but to make it more fun and like memorable, inshallah.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember our Eids when we were younger were very, (laughs) they were lovely, they were blessed, you know. Uh, But then Christmas would would come round and then, uh, you know, you'd be like okay so this is how you have a party you know, like, <laughs> and and um i think we've our generation has kept that with us haven't we yeah, and um yeah. we want to sort of create that kind of same buzz or a buzz around eve which is which yeah. is a good thing you
2: know? that's right know. and it's you know our children i think for when we're raising our kids in in the west i think there's a slightly more pressure on us as parents to do more to to really um encourage them and motivate them to want to follow islam because the society that they're living in is kind of telling them to no you don't need to be so muslim and and maybe islam and religion mm-hmm. is slightly more backward whereas you know what we're doing is so much more fun and exciting so we have that challenge and we really want to help our kids to to just have confidence in their in their deen and feel yeah i'm proud to be muslim inshallah
3: yeah, and have halal fun, right? Halal fun. Yes, that's what, exactly. That's what it's all about. So, <clears throat> sister, heard, your book, "Smart Single Muslima," very important topic. I mean, you're not a single Muslimah, right? No.
1: Um,
3: but what, so, so I was going to ask you, like in the in the introduction, which I absolutely loved. Um, you said you very accurately identified capitalism liberalism and feminism as key ideologies, if you like, that are affecting the way women see themselves today, right? And the, and womanhood today, affecting womanhood today. Um, and people might, might think, well, capitalism or liberalism, like how is that affecting womanhood in a negative way, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but could you just like, first of all, could you tell us, who did you have in mind when you wrote this book? Mm-hmm. What was like the catalyst? Mm-hmm. And then could we go into like, how is capitalism affecting how women, Muslim women especially as well, see themselves? How is liberalism affecting and how is feminism affecting
2: mm-hmm. us? Well, I, th- I think the, the, the person I was thinking of when I, I wrote the book was really, I, I'd spoken to a number of sisters through my podcast and um a a lot of women have filled in a questionnaire that's on my website smart muslima and it was relating to relationships that how they view the idea of getting married of um you know how they how are they planning on finding a husband and what's very interesting from all these discussions and i think from examples that i've seen through family through friends and just um and, and through we're just meeting a lot of Muslim women to be honest because we uh, I, we did some courses in London and um it's funny how I noticed there are a lot of women who are not married in their they're 20 and over and Muslim think, women right yeah Muslim women is it, who are not getting married and now and i and I was interested to find okay why is that happening now so then i I have always been interested in reading books relating to women and society Um, books by Muslims and non-Muslims and what was uh, like if you see generally amongst non-Muslim women they um, are not getting married that the marriage is getting delayed or the whole concept Mm. of marriage it it seemed that marriage is um, unnecessary it's going completely out of fashion it's redundant and a woman can quite happily if you want to as far as the way you view love and relationships um, you can find your partner whether it's the same gender or the opposite gender and you should you ha- that is your right to gain pleasure fulfill your desires and do what makes you happy that that's the main thing that see we are being told do what makes you happy and you know and then if you want to get married that's fine but even the way that marriage is viewed as far as the gender roles in a marriage. Are, are, are like, we we will decide, it will be a very progressive, um, equality-based marriage. And so now inevitably for Muslim women, we are living in, 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 in the West and we're being affected by those ideas. And that you see our, you know, young Muslim women are delaying marriage. They, um, even the idea, marriage is seen as, well, if I get married, I'm going to lose my freedom. You know, I'm, I'm going to, what am I gonna gain? What is marriage gonna give me? It's just going to be a, a bunch of responsibilities. I'm going to kind of be under the the control of a man now or his family. Even the whole a Muslim marriage is is has got really bad press now, and girls are thinking, I don't. I'm. It was really weird. Girls are fearful of getting married, you know, fearful of this of a sunnah act. And I and that, yeah. these were all the things that kind of let. I wanted to know. Well, okay, what advice are you know, first, what advice would you get from your average marriage guidance? So I I was reading a lot of marriage guidance books or even advice Mm. to single women. Like there's books like Get the Guy or um, Mm. Surrendered Single. And then in there, there will be, and then on your your normal kind of glossy magazines, it's all about, um, you know, uh, it was strange. that One advice was flirt with every man you see. And Mm. that's, you know, or, you know, big... Or how to date, but do not make sure you're you don't get basically a guy doesn't spike your drink and you end up with a you know going home with a guy who who then attacks you. The advice I found was I thought this is so. What would a Muslim girl do with this advice? This doesn't align mm. with Hadeen. It's like it's just telling you how to safely sleep around and and and. But then um, you know the whole idea in how to like. Um, trick a man into get marrying you I found that one really weird yeah, so me- yeah.
3: because I think ironically I sh- actually I was reading this thing that <clears throat> in the upper classes <clears throat> excuse me in the upper classes and middle classes marriage is still a very popular thing like it's it's the women do dream of marriage you know mm-hmm. like and they see the benefit of it and the utility of you know uh being in a proper bound contract right with 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 a man right with the man who they're going to live with for the rest of their lives yeah
1: um
3: I but it seems that. could you try again? sorry it's my siri <laughs> uh but it seems that this idea has become popular in society that you know marriage either there's this notion of marriage is just a piece of paper right Hmm. If it's just a piece of paper, why don't you sign it? <laughs> That's my, my question, you know. It's, people know that it's not just a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. It means something. It means something profound, you know. You're going to stand in front of your family, your loved ones, and you're gonna make a declaration, mm-hmm. right, a commitment um, in public to your society. And you're going to be bound to somebody um, in a beautiful way and and it and it's kind of it it forces men okay to take responsibility
2: mm-hmm.
3: it forces both of them but but i'm talking about men in particular because i feel like the current messaging in society is telling men you can have casual relationships and it doesn't have any impact on you
1: mm-hmm.
3: and it doesn't matter And why would you settle down? You know, why should you settle down? Just have loads and loads of um, sexual partners and have the freedom, Mm. uh, the so-called freedom. But what they're not telling men is that there's an emotional toll, of course. Uh, There's often a health toll, right? Um, A psychological toll. uh, And also a real toll on their life because, you know, you only get a certain number of chances to really find somebody to settle down with, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: in a lifetime, and uh, I think a lot of women and men are missing that, you know, yes. in, in the wider society, I mean. Yeah.
2: Um, <clears throat> I think you're, you're, you really hit the nail on the head that this is the, it's like, this is the liberal lie that is told to yeah. young people that, uh, and it's pushed in popular culture and um, it, the thing is that for many people, that's the only world view they have when it comes to love relationships because I think that's this is the only way. You have to go on dates. You have to sleep around. You have to t- yeah. t- get that guy or you have to look very sexualized. That and But then you have, it's interesting, no one is criticised amongst, again, definitely amongst liberal progressives. No one will criticise that view. Okay, can, you've got the kind of people... People who have slightly more conservative views, they will say that, have you know, criticize it a bit. However, it, when it comes to liberals, conservatives and um, let people on their f- exactly the same. They all think mm. that somehow you have to try it out before test it, test a person out before you marry them. And that this, even the idea of not sleeping around, being keeping yourself modest or keeping your. Um, you know virginity th- that has now got it's th- that's completely out of the window but then as for muslim the the problem we have in our communities is Muslim now the reason why I'm not very sa- i don't think it's such a big problem for men is that as we know age isn't um mm. men can get married later they don't have to think you know about children and childbearing and and um so that's why mm. I, I, also I don't know enough about men and I haven't read enough study that subject enough to to mention them but if we look at from a female experience, <clears throat> well, she's been given the same messaging as far as, you know, you should study, you should get your career, you know, marriage is something way off in the horizon because you need to be financially independent, you know, you sh- a, a man shouldn't be telling you what to do with your life, you know, you you have total agency, That that's where now then the feminism comes into it, that somehow we are being told that you don't even need a man, you know, and if you do choose a man, he has to be, um, you know, it's like I've heard that statement that you should marry the man, you should become the man you want to marry first. So oh you should be so strong <laughs> and independent. And then if you want to be, and, and a very interesting book called um, All the Single Ladies, it's by Rebecca Chuyster. Um And mm. I read that, and that is exactly, that is the message given to, she's given to, to <clears throat> she's an American lady, and she said, you have never had it, single women have never had it better. You've got, the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want, and now m- men and husbands have become redundant. In uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing her. And so you should take all of that. So now what we need to stop and think as Muslim women is, is, is that the, that, that view, that paradigm that we're being given, is mm. that what Allah, does that, is that what Allah says? Is that what we should, you you, I, you notice uh, people do like mental gym, gymnastics to try to fit Islam and feminism together and that, yeah, that just mm-hmm. Islam allows women to get an education, yes it does, Islam allows women to earn money, yes it does, and you can uh, keep your money, that's that it does as well, but then Allah has given us marriage as that's the way that we fulfill the love that we need and that's a way a halal hmm. beautiful way to have a relationship with the opposite gender um and so we don't i think uh, my book is really it's not a criticism of any muslim woman who has started to believe that it's it's hmm. it's a um, uh it's encouragement to think like to stop and pause and say you know if you're finding it difficult c- to get married could these alien ideas could they be one reason you know have a think about that. You're not. I'll tell. I'll tell you what I don't like, and I, I don't know whether you've come across this. That when Muslim women can't get married, the blame is put on them. Um, that there mm-hmm. must be something wrong with you. You you have become a feminist, or you're too picky, or you, whatever. There's so many different uh, thing accusations thrown, and I think that that's not helpful. What does that achieve? It, it you know it just makes someone feel like oh okay. Fine, you're calling me a feminist? I'm gonna be a feminist then. Yeah, fine, I'm gonna go down that road even further. You know, you mm. can't handle confident women. It just turns into an argument between men and women. And and I'm it's, it's, it's pointless. Islam gives us solutions. It's a way of life, as we all like to say. So let's actually stop and, and find out what does Allah tell us? How How can we, how should we view marriage? And even the pre-marriage in particular, because that's my focus.
3: I find that the idea that you just said that the author, what is it, the single, what was all the name the, of the book? All the,
2: all the single ladies.
3: All the single ladies, right. I find that just, it's just a lie, you know, <laughs> that whole idea being sold to women um, is just a lie. All of us as human beings, especially uh, us as women, first of all, we have <clears throat> we have the desire to connect. We have the desire to be wanted and to be desired ourselves, right? To be seen uh, by the opposite sex, right? We like that's like an innate, inbuilt thing. Uh, we want intimacy. We have sexual desires. We have all of those things, and the desire to have children, mm-hmm. even if we don't have a desire to have children right now, you know. I don't know anyone who's over the age of 30, for example, who isn't at least thinking about kids, you know, and wishing that they had kids if they don't, right? Because Mm -hmm. as you get older, like, you have to take care not only of yourself as you are when you're young and at uni, right? You've got to think about yourself when you're 40, when you're 50, when you're 60, right? Mm -hmm. And what kind of a life you want. And um, I think people don't realise that, there's very little in life that gives you as much comfort and support and joy as a family, you know, and having a family around you, your own children and then grandchildren. And people don't think that far ahead, I think.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're, you're so right. And I think, you know, capitalism, it's interesting that I
3: think... Yeah, capital- why capitalism?
2: Yeah, why uh, did you say? if we observe um, just the... It's it's so interesting how uh, capitalism puts so much emphasis on gaining wealth, um, earning wealth and that some and that having that wealth, you know, thinking on a personal level, it tells Mm. a person that when you have um, wealth, you will be happy and that generating wealth and creating wealth will increase your happiness. So now, right, if, if you're being told that that like so, you know, that is your goal in life. You know, greed is your good.
3: economic worth is basically the only worth worth thinking about right yeah, your it, economic value
2: yeah that you should you should definitely match <clears throat> your focus and that when looking at things you take that into account so again mm. for for any adult w- 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 um, living in a capitalist e- economic system um so you're gaining an education g- gaining work you don't want um anything to kind of interfere in that too much so for so people will now think and it's interesting i was on the radio There was saying how um the cost of marriages puts people off getting married so again working class people will think the the cost puts them off so they think living together it works fine we don't need to we can't afford to um married so maybe that 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 is one factor they think about but then it's interesting again in that book called the single lady she she mentioned how once women get married and then have children um you know so when you're single and you're working you can work really long hours there's there's, you just can think of yourself and it's fine but once you have a a partner now now you now to think need to think about them That spending time with them so you can't work as hard so that affects your Um, what kind of jobs you will take that will affect your wage you know if you can do extra hours or even if you want to get a promotion you're now thinking of your husband at home and so then now so that's like a problem that you're now not being able to think of your financial future you're having to think of this husband then when the kids come along, again, okay, the, my, the wife has, the the woman has the, because she's pregnant for nine months, then it's, so that has a knock-on effect on her wage. Now, should she now? <laughs> so it's she, all
3: about the wage, basically. It's all it, it about the
2: money. So, it's all and, about and, and the
3: individualism, right? The individual yeah, kind and, of.
2: And, and what's interesting, then? Well, you're encouraged to put your children into daycare. That's that's the solution they give you. Mm. So so you can carry on working. So hand your kids over to strangers. And okay, maybe Alhamdulillah people can find good daycare. That that's fine. But um studies have been done. There's a really interesting uh, book called Um 21st Century Girls by Sue Palmer, which is a brilliant book, which again that talks about the effect on women, on, on mothers when they have to hand over their children, how the guilt they feel, and no one cares. Uh, your boss and and the whole capitalist system—they don't care about the guilt that you feel. Mm. They just hand it over so you can be a productive worker. And then the cost of childcare is ridiculous. And then what about how the baby feels? You know, it. These yeah. are all things that um, capitalism saying no, just go and do it. Do it so you can work. And then, and then once the kids are older, you're juggling. Like I, I did that when my kids were. I was in high. Uh, once I was teaching high school, and my kids weren't so young. But I'm. I. I. I remember thinking. As soon as I can stop working full-time I'm gonna do it because I don't like that I I feel that Mm. I'm not taking care of my family but um and so but the
3: thing is it's not just a guilt because people think well that sense of guilt comes from society but actually it's it's a deep instinct (laughs) you know it's this deep instinct to I mean you just nurtured this child you know in your body right and you've given birth your body is ready to feed the child now right It's just absolutely natural for you to want to stay connected to that child. Um, And the Islamic system or the Islamic uh, uh, method of marriage, et cetera, and the the roles, et cetera, it ensures for women that, okay, and it recognizes that motherhood's difficult. You know, like when you first become a mom, Mm -hmm. you are going to be devoted to this and you're going to, it's an immense role. And therefore, it seeks to lift the financial burden off mothers by placing that on the shoulders of the husband, right? Like very explicitly in terms of like in the marriage contract, right? Mm -hmm. And it does that in a way to honor motherhood, right? You could look at it like that. Whereas I think what you're pointing out and you have pointed out in the book is that capitalism Uh, undervalues motherhood right
2: yes absolutely and then what you have on top of that now uh, just very quickly that I I know that it's quite difficult for to live on one wage now that that's what I've been I see and and what sister said um, when I spoke about this that there is Mm. this I, I think especially when you're living in a city and 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 I think that that's something that as a um when you're looking for a spouse, that's a discussion speaking about finances, having been very honest about what a, a guy can afford, the lifestyle he can give a woman. He should be very honest about that. And that if now, what's lovely is that if a woman wants to contribute, she gets the reward of sadhaka. And so, therefore you know that's a discussion that um we should you know um pre- in a premarital mm. discussion should be should be had that how are we going to get married live and if it means we have to reduce our living standards or we don't have a f- house we live in a flat but I think right. these are the nuanced mature discussions we need to have because things are expensive I you know we cut especially mm. in London as you know um but you're right Islam gives us um answers whereas <laughs> I find capitalism just seems to create more problems because it says to you, you need to have this much material wealth to be happy. Uh, when you think, actually, no, I can be quite content and,
1: yeah. um,
2: and grateful for what I don't need all these things to be happily married. You know, it's like the whole idea right. you don't need to have a big flashy wedding to start off your marriage. You don't need to go. Do you don't day- have to go
3: on holiday every year, for example. Or yeah, You can change your idea of what a holiday is. You know, it doesn't have to be, I I think the pandemic's kind of done that for people anyway, right?
2: Yes, right. Uh,
3: But I I think apart from having that discussion, I think it's upon all of us to actually sit down and ask, what is actually important in life? You know, (laughs) what actually has value in my life? Um, Is it what society or like what the movies or whatever are trying to portray to us as being a successful life Mm -hmm. or Will I have to maybe choose a different path, and prioritize what is really important? You know, so like for example, in what you just described Mm -hmm. earlier, uh, you know, the way that lady, she, um, uh, the author, she characterized, basically getting married and having children as basically kind of impinging on a woman's uh, autonomy, right? Her individual success or whatever, right? it completely erases the value of raising another human being the value of family the va- the need that women have for that you know yeah. and 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 one of the things that i find quite funny actually sometimes is you would have thought that feminism since it's trying to celebrate or it claims to want to elevate women right mm-hmm. you would have thought that feminists would be championing motherhood, would be mm. praising motherhood, and helping to make motherhood more valued in society, be- since motherhood is something that only a woman can do. Do you know what I mean? It's like one of the, yeah. one of the, uh, one of the roles that only women can fulfill, right? Um, and yet, you see the opposite happening. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, I think you described in in the book, like how you know in the 60s and 70s there was a concerted effort to kind of devalue family life and motherhood and see them see these things that actually are you know things that women have invested in for centuries as just trashing them basically
1: right yeah.
2: Yeah, that's it. Well, I know calling the home a, a comfortable concentration camp. I think that was Betty Friedan oh, who said that. And there's, um, a, I'd and, love to know how
3: happy these women were in their own lives. You know,
2: the thing. <laughs> like, Betty, I, I, I did quite a bit of research on her, and and the thing is that it, it's very interesting. The, like, for example, Betty Friedan. She was, um, an American. She, she was a, uh, she, she was quite, She was a, an intellectual, and um. Mm. It was a very like, what you notice, it was from a very white middle class perspective, you know, that a lot of these women, but they they had a, a particular, you know, like even Mary Wollstonecraft, it's interesting. She went through, she's seen as like the, the mother of feminism. Um, her father did he he stole her inheritance and she was mistreated. And so you you see certain experiences mm. that women went through, and and to be completely honest, like for for women living in, um, you know, the 19th century and the 21st century, from, uh, you know, even if we look at the experience of Christianity, they were mistreated. They weren't given rights. Mm. They weren't allowed. That, the, you, go, you, the listeners will know this already about as far as education, as far as yeah. uh, being able to inherit, uh, being able to vote. You know, they had to fight for these things. And yeah. uh, um, giving credit where it's due. If it hadn't been for the feminist movement, mm-hmm. the rights that women have now, living, they wouldn't have got that. Whether it's you know working stands, I'm sure you've sort of seen that movie um, Nine to Five, where it shows how um, sexist the boss were and how women could only be type you know secretaries, they were very limited as far as all, in all areas of their lives. So they had to fight and struggle to get these things. And the thing is that then what you can see is. The net result when you make equality is like put on a pedestal that everything has to be equal between men and women. So we have it then turns into the the monster that we see into now where you you think, okay, unless I have everything that a man has. So if men can be equally promiscuous, I want to be that as well. If you can have mm-hmm. men looking at pornography, then we're going to have male pornography as well. If we can have, you know, Tinder for, you know, uh, men want to use women um, like uh, uh, Wendy Charlotte said it actually that women are now treated like prostitutes. W- Wendy Charlotte wrote a book, Return to Modesty, where she critiqued the way women are treated, especially when it comes to love and relationships and the expectation. And she said. Women are expected to behave like prostitute, prostitutes, but they're not actually given the payment. She goes that that's what it's turned into. <laughs> it's basically it's
3: worse than prostitution.
2: Yeah, and and you know in that um, sense. Mm. Whereas it's interesting, Mary Wilson class said um, marriage is a form of legal prostitution. You just think it's it, it, we just depend on what perspective you come from. But what was um, if we just look at the 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 the, the, the situation that we're in today is that so you're saying that motherhood is not um, valued. Uh, I see capitalism and feminism have both created that environment. And as Mm -hmm. Muslim women, uh, and Muslims, we need to rise above that and not just accept everything we are told as women. So just because feminism says we are we are the standard babies for women's rights. So we should question that. Yeah, we don't let's just absorb this and think and, and and not critically analyze what they are telling us as far as this is the lifestyle. Yeah. The
3: and the thing is it's not just us who's saying this. I, I've actually read articles by women who grew up who were you know young women in the 60s and 70s and they actually say we were sold a lie. We were sold a lie. We were told that we were part of the sexual revolution but actually we we were just used and discarded you know mm-hmm. and uh, there was one lady who i was reading her article she was saying that uh you know the whole sexual revolution was a disaster for women you know and she said that later on in life that you know she ended up not getting married not having children and you know she really regrets it and she and i think you have an example of that in your book of a muslim lady who uh, obviously she wasn't promiscuous but yeah she seems muslim women are becoming affected by some of this i don't know if it's the messaging or if it's the social situation what would you put it down to because one of the chapters is uh life without a family right Mm -hmm. um and it's a very powerful story um in your book about uh where a lady is telling her story about how Mm. She feels that she ended up missing certain opportunities uh, to get married and settle down uh, because of the, her own mindset at the time, right?
2: Mm, yeah, I, alhamdulillah, I think it was really. Uh, she wrote this anonymously. So, and I, because I think mm. it's just something that people will uh, admit openly because you don't want to come across as like you're some kind of sad case or some lonely yeah. woman who regrets um, putting career in front of family and the thing is that it's you know I, I think I've heard this many times from a number of women young women who I think it's they and I, I genuinely don't think it's their fault it's when you're from high school to college to university it's just that is what we are taught. I'm thinking I was exactly like that. My dream had to become a dentist because the pay would be amazing that, and you you have this idea that, okay, I'm going going to, um, study, I'm going to work and then I'm going to earn money. And then somehow like magically, like in I'm going to find this husband and he will accept Mm. me or, um, you know, he's going to let me carry, be completely okay with me carrying on working and it's, it's like a romantic fantasy. Very, I think, very popular culture has pushed that so much. I'm thinking of Bollywood in particular. And the thing is that we are not, no, I, at no point was I encouraged to, to question that until I started to attend some Islamic events and started reading, mm. finding out what the counter narrative was to that, that lifestyle. And that's yeah. the thing that changed my views, and it's and but the problem I think we have as a Muslim community. So these are we've spoken about ideas that are um, you know uh, are alien to Islam, affecting our thinking. But now in the Muslim community, w- not everyone. I'm not going to generalize everyone, but we see many examples of Islamic marriages and Muslim marriages being done wrong, as in they're not following the Quran and Sunnah. And so when young Muslim women are looking at, well, here's this freedom model. model. Yeah, there's this path where I get to choose my husband. I can fall in love with him. I can carry on working, you know, very, it just seems amazing. And then I look at what the Muslim version is and I don't like it. I'm going to have to marry someone. I don't get, it's going to be arranged in that I don't even get to talk to him or my parents just, they'll... They're looking at his occupation his bank balance his car his house as if that is all just they know the family and that's good enough they're just thinking i don't know if i want that because um it doesn't seem like i'm going to be i'm looking at my parents marriage and they that they don't seem to be that happy they just stay together because divorce was taboo or i'm hearing bad examples of um you know Islamicly minded guys who were very strict and very controlling and so they think i i'm not go- no thank you i don't think i want that mm. and so it's you know even like things like for example they let's say a girl uh, a woman finds a suitable uh, compatible guy but he's the wrong race he's african or he's bengali or he's you know uh, arab and i'm pakistani so therefore parents will say no you're not marrying him and you think mm. These are that
3: that's is another not- issue you raise in the book, right? Like yeah. racism and uh, colorism mm-hmm. <clears throat> and those kinds of issues. Um, you know, I find it quite hard to identify with uh, the kind of what you described in terms of uh, definitely like I went to a girls' school as well, and they were completely trying to get us to be career women, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: but I always wanted to get married, you know, from a young age. I just, I think I, just, I was just too much of a romantic, you know, and I knew that that was the way to get romance. And, um, yeah, so I, I was always thinking, well, I'd like to get married really young and somehow I'll carry on studying as well. And and so what I did was I actually – I got married when I was 19.
2: Oh, mashallah.
3: And um, in our marriage meetings – and I always encourage sisters to do this – we actually discussed all these things, you know, like the fact that I wanted to continue studying uh, some of the things that I would would like to continue doing, um, just so that, you know, you've got your cards on the table, uh, the person who your prospective husband is, you know, he can actually, first of all, internalize it and realize, okay, this is gonna be part of the package, you know, um, <clears throat> and that you can have a really honest conversation. So. I remember my husband asking me, you know, okay, but <clears throat> that he he really would support my is- Islamic studies, you know, because that's what I wanted to continue doing. Um, and he said, but what if, um, what if studies come in the way of certain family considerations, you know? Um, and then we had that conversation, you know. And I said, well, I, I'll always put family first for me, my kids, any future kids, and. Now people don't talk about those kinds of nitty-gritty things sometimes, right? Before mm-hmm. marriage, they I mean I saw this website where people were listing like what kind of questions you should ask.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um and they were asking things like what's your favorite color and stuff like that. <laughs> you know like completely irrelevant mm-hmm. uh bits of information. Yeah. Um and yet people are shy to talk about these things, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. And the thing is that you know the superficial things like what's your favorite movie, what's your favorite <laughs> food? Okay, they're not gonna tell you whether someone is compatible with you. That that's yeah. you know it's the way I tend to think I say to sisters, okay, but um there's certain okay, he should he has to be Muslim, like the certain basics there has to be he has to be Muslim and you have to find him attractive. Okay, from there on then you need to find out, are you compatible? So you know that can you um do your you know um life your your values your principles do they they're the big they're the deeper issues it's like your foundations. Mm -hmm. do they align do you want the same things as far as family and children because these things it's interesting it's so sad I know someone who they recently got divorced because the husband now said um I don't want to have children and she, she was like yeah no he doesn't want to have children at all and and the thing is like and these are you know Muslim they're both Islamic they you know as far as they've got you know they're practicing as you know it's not like these are bad Muslims here but he just they never had that conversation because I just assumed he would want children or well, in the same way things like you know uh, the idea that you know do you are you okay with can can men and women be friends for example. You know, people take, because now it's, it's all cool, isn't it? Like everyone's friends at college, you have mixed friend groups at uni, at work. Mm. But okay, what if, but you're now getting married is, is people avoid, uh, I've noticed, the difficult question discussions, because mm. they think, oh, then you're not going to like me, and you won't want to get married. But you think, okay, so you're going to leave those difficult conversations <laughs> once you are married, and then you're going to have a big row and realize it's all going to come out yeah, yeah exactly so please save yourself and this is the problem that we as a muslim divorce in the divorce fate is getting nearly equal to the divorce fate amongst non-muslims and that is really troubling in that and the divorces are happening in uh two years uh, up to two years and then divorce is going on that seems to be the so it's like the honeymoon period goes out uh, finishes and then people really start to realize okay so this is who you are this is who I'm married to but these pre-marriage questions that is what you're trying to gauge who is this person can I tolerate them can I live with them can I can I uh, will it, and it's not about will they make me happy? As in, it's not the job of the husband to continuously keep you happy on the you I mean, So happy all the time. No, that's an, only, a, a, another human being can't do that all the time. And it's funny, you know, mm. when I was writing the book, as I was writing, I kind of realized that I think I need to do a course as well on this where, you know, a book, it, it would have ended up being a thousand pages if I'd wrote everything I wanted to. And I thought there's, for things that I then want to add to the book and areas such as um, issues relating to, okay, you know, intimacy, polygamy, pornography, because these are all issues. Uh, It's it's how the number of women who've asked me about about How do you ask Mm. about these things? How do you, and I thought, okay, I, I can't include everything in the books. So I have created a pre-marriage course, which you can, you know, it's for sisters to really, it will help them to home in on, okay, these are the, like red flags I need to know about the, this by the end of it, you'll have this idea. this is what I'm looking for. And now go and look for that guy that because you're you're clear about what is important to you as a Muslimer, and then mm. you're, because I, I just find the advice that Muslim women are getting at the moment, I, I just I think it's really bad. It, it's really confusing, mm. and it's and to the point that this is why people leave, they think, this is just too complicated or this is too difficult i'm just going to i'm just going to focus on my work uh, that's what women a lot of women end up doing it's just i don't mm. want to deal with it and then it gets because yeah. they come, you know leave it a bit too late
3: well another thing that i think very few people do which i've been talking to young women about this um is getting character references you know oh, like it's such a simple thing uh, that yeah. like if you were going to hire somebody you you would do right when you went to uni they do it right they ask you for character references or for references um and yet for marriage we don't think to do it but um i think it shows you that even parents are not very savvy sometimes you know like Mm. because i my dad he he made sure that he for each of his daughters like um he would literally ask for character references from from the prospective spouse, and um, and that meant, for example, him going and sitting down with a friend of the person, you know, or uh, somebody who'd worked with them or travelled with them, you know, so mm-hmm. somebody or had business transactions with them, etc. You know, somebody who really got to know them,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, or in writing, you know, getting uh, and, and we know that as Muslims. But when it comes to if somebody asks you for a character reference, you're you have to tell the <laughs> truth, even if it's negative. You know, you're supposed to. It's one of the times when you're allowed to backbite, if you like, right? Yeah. Uh, because you have to be honest. So, and and believe me, so many things come out in that. You know. Yeah. So I remember one sister. She found out that the prospective spouse smoked. Right. Uh, that might sound like a little thing,
1: yeah. but
3: that wouldn't come out in a meeting. You know, he might try to hide that or you know avoid talking about it but through the character references she mm. found out that he smokes and that was like a a big no for her you know so yeah. um it's better to find these things out before um yeah, I, I think what it is is people think you're supposed to fall in love and mm. or you're supposed to have these very like sort of romantic meetings yeah. you know um yeah. And and keep it all fluffy, keep it all fluffy (laughs) and not talk about the.
2: Yeah, it's like don't need your heart to choose rather than engaging your brain. And um, it's the sunnah to get the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us to get um, references. And you're right. So but I think this this is one reason why halal dating and trying to do this solo is is. Such a bad idea and, and it's so mm-hmm. alien to Islam because as we know, when people go on dates, they just present the best version of themselves, you know, yeah. and the best and they're on best behavior and they're trying to impress. Now, of course, you're gonna like this pretend what one-dimensional version of a person <laughs> on a date. Whereas when mm. you you're getting alhamdulillah, your dad, mashallah, he sounds like excellent, he is an example of a good wali. When you when a guy has to meet the dad and the brothers and the uncles. Yeah. Now let him try to fake it. Now let him pretend he's someone he's not. Right. They will. They will see through him so quickly, you know. And they can ask questions that oh, women will not ask. And and that's why it's, yeah. that protection is there. And you should yeah. definitely uh, say. I, I give a whole list of the different things women should do because yeah. in in the book because that. let's put that there for our protection, not to restrict us, not to oppress us, but to help us. And when we follow those, and and therefore, you know, having a um, emotional attachment to someone just because you fancy them, and thinking, no, I I have to marry him, you know, without my family's permission or without getting my family involved, because this is what, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, not a lot, but some women will think, okay, let me just kind of go down the side route. I'll I'll find a guy, I'll go online, or or guys online approach them, and they get, start chatting, and they and they they form an attachment and then they, they'll end up you know meeting and you know and then that's it straight away the door shaitan the, the doors have been opened to shaitan to totally mess you up and then they bring mm. this guy to the family and say i want to marry him but you don't want, want if your parents they notice and realize there's actually things wrong with him you've given your heart away to this guy really, yeah. you're yeah. irrational because your hormones have just gone crazy and the dopamines you know like to, to, yeah. you know, not letting you your brain function properly and and this and then you are like no i have to marry this guy but that's the that's not the islamic way to do it when you get other objective people looking at uh, and judging a man they will tell you the truth of him that if he's good then they'll tell you and if the bad things about him that you're overlooking because you're slightly infatuated they will point them out and that's alhamdulillah that's where you have to have your family involved in the whole process of getting married.
3: Right. Because eventually those characteristics are going to matter to you. You know, like yes. they might not, they might not seem like they matter right now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like really excited or you're like you said, your home hormones are going wild or you're infatuated or you're attached. Yeah. Well, well well that's why like although it's seen as kind of maybe a little bit unromantic again our views of romance have come from disney and (laughs) hollywood and bollywood right so like we don't realize that there's a beauty in forming an emotional attachment after marriage you know like there's actually a real beauty in the fact that the climax of your romance occurs within marriage or after marriage you know Mm-hmm. whereas in wider society i don't know if you've heard of this um concept of post nuptial depression right <laughs> which is no, i have uh, yeah <laughs> there was this article about post nuptial depression this lady she said uh, uh, the the article was about the phenomenon of post nuptial depression where because in in wider society not in the muslim community in wider society because w- women and men they've already had relations they've had intimacy they've lived together they've done each other's laundry whatever right when they get married it's like the next day is such a anticlimax, climax you know because everything's already been done outside of marriage right so now it's like oh okay you know back to normal back to mundanity the, the mundane life you know everyday life so So apparently people feel quite depressed. Uh, But what I was saying to a group of uh, teenage girls the other day is, isn't it amazing that we actually have the best part of the romance after the wedding, you know, Mm -hmm. the best part of your romantic story is after the wedding. Whereas in wider society, the best has already gone. You know, the high point has already gone. So I think we need to reframe marriage and start talking to young people about marriage in a different way and and sometimes we haven't been good at presenting it you know in the right way because a lot of the girls when i presented this for example they said to me wow we never really thought of it like that you know and, and they were actually feeling very positive about marriage um mm-hmm. other other young women have uh, contacted me after hearing some of my talks about marriage and motherhood etc and they said you know like we're so glad that we could hear somebody giving us that message because deep down i really wanted to just be a mom I, like mm-hmm. ever since i was little i just wanted to be married and have kids and but i felt like i wasn't allowed to say that you know so yeah. i do think sometimes we might be feeling like a, a lot of young young women have an anti marriage attitude or are feeling negative about marriage but I think sometimes they feel they have to
2: oh yeah say certain things yeah yeah who wants to admit that they want to be a mum and stay at home that's what that's not a career that's not how, yeah. you know you're you're, you're just a stay at home mum and and that's it and because well you know, and
3: and and to be clear like you know stay at home doesn't just mean like sleeping all day you know it, yeah, it means building a home right like building yeah. a family homemaking yeah. um so that's what i mean like if we if we can reframe some of these things
2: but it's you know one of the reasons though like i've uh, i know of and i've heard like women who are my mother's age um and generally some mothers will say to their daughters you make sure you go and get a job make sure you you have a crib just in case you get divorced there, there's this just in case idea and that if he leaves you or you're you need to um have you know you need to have your money now i, I think <laughs> the thing is it's actually i i don't and and it's because of experience that they'll say that either you know um the men in the husbands will you know they'll restrict you they will take your money they will and then even put in-laws into that, that you have to put this confident, independent front up so no one will mess around with you because I was messed around with or, you know, my mm. in-laws took advantage of me. And the things now, th- this is a real problem that, like, the women wouldn't say this unless they had gone through this experience. You know, our mothers and, and the women at the, old, you know, the older generation, they aren't anti-marriage either but it's where it's those bad experiences, And so, for example, experiences of domestic violence and no one helping them, experiences of abuse, different type. like I'm, I know women have been abused and it was really hard to get out of those marriages. So the thing is that I think the Muslim community needs to, if girls are fearful of marriage or if Muslim marriages have a bad reputation, that we cannot blame on non-Muslims at all. And I'm not that naive. Mm. I know islam is perfect and i will and i know the beauty of all the laws that allah gives relating to marriage um but when we see in practice i know and you know of the bad examples and the muslim community need to address that and i think one it starts by talking about it and i'm sure there's a very good a, a wonderful role that mus, um masjids and scholars and people of knowledge they could really address this, that's the way to then take away those fears that Muslim women, young Muslim women have. Because I think this is the thing that I really didn't like, that when in the conversations about this problem, all the blame was being put on women, a lot of blame was being put on Muslim women, that it's just your own fault and deal with it. And I thought, I don't like, it's, no, it's, I just didn't like that conversation. And then as a reaction, women would just say, well, men are all trash then. Muslim men... They're just, they're narcissi- they've got narcissistic traits. They are toxic. I'm not going to go near them. Because you now have the phenomena of Muslim women quite happily marrying non-Muslim men. I know of people who are doing that. Or even forget marrying them. They're just living with them. They've got them as boyfriends. Because they, they would rather do that because that guy will let them do whatever they want. And I think at least I can, I don't have someone trying to uh, micromanage me and judge me and control really? me. So that is becoming very normal and it's not an exaggeration so so
3: not not converts
2: but no muslim girls dating non-muslim boys at uni at college even at high school because they see they they're not impressed with the the muslim men that they're seeing and the thing Mm -hmm. is in the families i'm not I, i i don't exaggerate this and i the parents can do absolutely nothing okay they can kick him out of the house well you see for,
3: for me that that's <laughs> that's a deeper issue than just marriage you know that's yeah. a tarabia issue like a ch- yeah, from a childhood not- from first principles from connection yeah. with god issue you know it's not,
2: yeah. uh, not i feel ad- like you know, it starts but, there right but can you see that that idea that the the liberal idea of a love because every girl wants love doesn't she she wants companionship and so it's thinking i'm going to take it that way because um I don't like yeah. what I'm seeing in the Muslim way.
3: Yeah, but then I, I do meet the girls who then regret it, you know.
2: Yeah, you're right. Um, they will. You're yeah. right. They absolutely will. But the problem we've got is, mm. as a Mus- the thing is, what I'm saying is, and this is one reason why I wrote the book, is as a community, we need to address it. Just like right. we need to address mm. the racism and the colorism in our community. The yes. Age- the ageism, even, you know, that women get to a certain age and they're off the market woman's divorced i mm, get it it's, true. it's not happening she's a single mother don't you you know just, just stay at home sis you know it's uh, all the okay so with the address it
3: yeah we do have to address it you're right with the colorism and uh, racism like i, I come, like i do get girls actually sometimes contacting me and they say you know uh, my i want to marry somebody who's from a different culture and my parents won't let me right mm-hmm. um and okay i, I i'm going to tell you like I try to have a balanced approach to this, okay, because previously, before I studied Islamic studies, I would have said, "Uh, oh, that's just racist, you know, (laughs) that's just racist and, you know, parents need to open their minds and they just need to just accept this and there's absolutely no uh, consideration of, uh, it's not about colour, I mean, cultural background, you know, Mm -hmm. like, obviously, colour, that's just completely shallow you know like yeah. but uh when it comes to like um cultural background you know or mm-hmm. country of origin and that sort of stuff i would have dismissed that in the past right um but having studied uh, fiqh uh one of the things you do realize in uh, fiqh of marriage is that there's something called kufu, right mm-hmm. or kafaa and it's basically the co- the idea of compatibility right mm-hmm. and in uh in fiqh there is this consideration i would say yeah that scholars have allowed families to have when it comes to marriage of compatibility and that could be in various things right mm-hmm. so for example i think you did mention some of those areas that you know like language mm-hmm. um social status, uh, that's a bit controversial, right? Social status. We could say in our times, maybe social status could be equated to ec- education maybe, I don't know, you know, because sometimes that uh, that affects compatibility or it can affect compatibility. Um, culture uh, and stuff like that, right? Now, so now I try to have like a bit more of a nuanced approach to it. Mm-hmm. And that is that of course, you know, racism is abhorrent and so is colorism. That's just, I think those are just like colonialist uh, kind of baggage, right, that we still have as Muslims that we do need to eradicate. However, if a family, for example, is asking their daughter, uh, we we would like somebody who speaks our language, right? Mm -hmm. Or we want, obviously, like to the parents, I would say, you need to be more open-minded now because like you've traveled thousands of miles away from your country right you're living in a new society now the chances of finding somebody who is exactly from your village right is like really really low Mm -hmm. so yeah and you wake up right you know you need to embrace that actually your child's grown up in this country and this is like a new culture it's a new identity in a way right
1: yeah
3: um and their compatibility is not based on back home anymore right so to the parents i would say that Mm -hmm. but to the girls I, i tend to say
1: your parents
3: probably do have your best interests in mind, right? So you need to think carefully and not be dismissive of the things that they're mentioning, okay? Because I also meet the people on the other side. So once they've gotten married, so say for example, somebody's gotten married to, I don't know, somebody who's from a Western non-Muslim, who's a convert, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that there's anything negative about that at all you know if you've gone in there with your eyes open fine mm-hmm. but you do have to realize that people from different backgrounds will come with certain things that you have to be willing to embrace you know uh, if you do that open with your with an open mind and an open with your eyes open mm-hmm. then obviously you're going to be able to deal with it but if you go into it in a kind of naive way
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, I know sisters for example who then end up missing the fact that they don't really have Muslim extended family yes. you know for right. example right or sisters who can't really connect with their in-laws because of the language or you know they just have different cultural expectations um, and I'm not just talking about converts I mean in different different mixes of people you know obviously in so many cases it works perfectly and or works fine and people adjust, right? Because even even if you marry someone from your own culture, yeah. you still have to adjust. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes it is worth saying to the girls, look, you know, think about it, you know, because you're going to have to live in that situation, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and certain things that might not mar- matter to you right now are you sure they don't are not going to matter to you? Yeah. You know? Uh, because we don't realize it, but we are very culturally adapted, you know, yeah. to certain things. Yeah. Certain things are normal to us. They're so normal we don't even realize that that they're part of our culture. And then sometimes it's only when you come against a different culture
2: mm-hmm.
3: and expectation that you're like isn't that obvious? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, but it's not obvious.
2: No, you're right. I think think the wisdom that our parents have, um, is Mm. invaluable and we should never underestimate their experience and knowledge. And Alhamdulillah, that is why Allah tells us that the parents and the Wali has to be involved. So that, Mm. that we, and we should listen to their advice and, you know, um, I'm just thinking of the advice that my parents gave me and the things that they noticed that I was completely oblivious to, Alhamdulillah, you know, and I'm thinking of all, you know, for all the, I'm thinking of all the elders that I know that they, now the thing that, um, the thing that they, need. so that's, that's the good part. It's just, the thing is, what we need to appreciate with our parents is that they grew up in, okay, let's say it was in Pakistan or India, where they grew up, or Bangladesh. That's where, they, and so the thing that what they found acceptable as it, in in as far as um, like I'm thinking of my my dad only saw a photo of my mum and then Nikar was yeah. done over the phone. You know, yeah, he, yeah. Wasn't, he was in mm. England and mum was in, in Karachi at the time. You know, it was it was that's how things were done then. And it was just purely mm. my 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 father was best friends with my my, khala, my auntie's um, husband. It, it was like yeah. that's how connections. It yeah. And mm. so the thing is, that was acceptable, you know, in at that time, and that was fine. And mm. then it must be, you know, so scary for my mom. She came in, she didn't, she hadn't even spoken to my dad, and now she's married. So wow. what they accepted and were willing to do, so in their mind, so now then, fast forward 20, 30 years later, so the parents, when they're looking at their kids and they're, they're thinking, well, I did that. So <laughs> um, shouldn't you be okay with it? And the thing is, so now then, this is a bit where as mature women, you need to have sit down and politely have a discussion with your parents. Right, yeah. just, like, OK, and our parents, they they're allowed to even get angry with us and they're allowed to say things to us. We have to, you know, as long as <laughs> yeah. um, they, they they can, they're allowed to express their opinion. It's their home where their children and what we have to do is show them respect and listen to what they've got to say. And then give our point of view that, okay, maybe back then you would only marry someone from Karachi who was Urdu speaking and who the families knew each other. But like you just said, we're now in London, and we don't yeah. know any Urdu-speaking Karachiites. Yeah,
3: and you and you made the decision to travel all this way exactly. <laughs> to this yeah, new country.
2: Just, yeah, so, and you put me in this situation right. where I can't find someone like that. So, is it fair that I now sh- cannot get married until I find that guy? And I can't go back home and marry someone like that because there's not enough. Mm. It's, um, we don't have enough in common. It would we get divorced in, yeah. in six months? so there's an
3: incompatibility now yeah with people back home because you, yeah. you're literally culturally different even though yeah, we, so,
2: but the main thing is, is you same. have mm. to speak to your parents and what you have right. to right well you have to then get um allies as we like to say you know <laughs> who will help you you know people of knowledge but also like what you it's interesting what you're saying about the fic you we definitely have to gain knowledge about what does Allah say about marriage and what mm. these things that we don't know so we, that should be the starting point. We do the war, we gain knowledge, we have intelligent, mature, dis- calm discussions with our parents. Don't fly mm. off the handle. Even if our parents are flying off the handle, that they can, but you shall, you have to do, say calm. And the thing is people, do, um, we don't like go take the, you know, g- go behind their backs and do things. That's the worst thing you can do. Mm. I, what I Negotiate
3: am- basically, right? Yeah. Negotiate.
2: That's it, because you're saying you want to get married. You're mature, okay. Act mature then. Um, Yeah, you know, negotiate maturely. Exactly. So with them, yeah. If we we do that, you can then, and so then, having discussions about race and culture, because then this is the other thing. You're right. You need to be very honest. If you are cultural, if you need to have curry and roti, and you know, if (laughs) if they're things that you have to have, or if you have, Mm. you like wearing particular types of clothes. Then be honest and they say okay so then that means that's the kind of person i'd have to marry and and what's wrong with being cultural when the cultural bits are permitted in islam there's nothing if you want someone mm-hmm. who speaks urdu then marry someone who speaks urdu you know what's wrong with that but be yeah human. but
3: also also remember that you're marrying into a family you know yes. I, I think that's what i mean like people don't always think about that aspect you know yeah. like there is I mean, I've got a multicultural family, like mm-hmm. some of my siblings married other cultures. And uh, so I can see like different kind of dynamics. Um, and yeah. one of the things that's really nice is for in-laws to be able to speak to their, yeah. you know, uh, their children-in-law, mm-hmm. sons and daughters-in-law. Naturally, you know, you, like yeah, you will be surprised at how much, how important that feels to you yeah. after marriage, yeah. you know. But, um so those kinds of things, you know. Um it, it's just that don't be dismissive, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, don't be dismissive and, yeah. of that In, whole topic and say and label your parents as like you know xenophobic or something, yeah,
2: and intolerant and things like it's that. It's
3: actually that they're thinking about the entire family, usually, you know, they're thinking yeah. about the whole kind of yeah, some, but, some parents are natural are actually ignorant, you know, like they they literally true.
2: Do have it, certain, uh, t- we are not perfect and our parents are mm. perfect, only Allah is perfect and I think the other thing that we have to is if we can in the discussion say that can we uh, refer this back to the Qur'an, can we refer it back to the sunnah that if we're being, un- if you think mm. I'm being unreasonable as in I'm being hot headed or um, too quick in that I'm just taking an iron hadith that suits me and saying, you know, so allowed no our parents cannot force their daughters to get married. Yes, that's great. Mm. We um, you know, but then that can be stretched to say, okay, then can I marry my boyfriend? Why can't I marry my boyfriend? You know, um, you can't stop me from marrying my boyfriend, let's say. But then your parents notice actually this boyfriend, he's actually totally irresponsible. You know, he smells of weed, you know, they you might not smell it, I can. You know, your brothers might be able to notice the smell. So these are the things that you're right, do not dismiss the concerns that your parents have, but then say, can we agree that Islam will be the arbiter, inshallah?
3: Yeah, and the other harm from, you know, sisters who sometimes they they do decide, okay, I'm just going to find a sheikh who will marry me off, you oh, know, yes. and without a wali, right? Um, or appoint my own wali, even though they've got their father, but their father's against this marriage, for example. what One thing I found is in cases where that has happened, sadly sometimes when that woman now has children right Mm -hmm. she's got married her parents she's not on talking terms with her parents yeah she has children but now she doesn't have that connection anymore with the family um and also the she's very vulnerable because now you know one of the things that kind of islam wants women to have is family on their side do you know what I mean like yes. and now that her spouse knows that she's got no one mm-hmm. right she is more vulnerable do you see yeah. because now she doesn't have she doesn't have brothers or fathers or anyone to have her back right so mm. um unfortunately I think people realize these things later on you know when yeah. when things are gone too far um jazakoula uh sister Farhat. Um, is, is there anything you feel has been missed that we could?
2: I do think that, um, you know, p- people seem to think that online dating is like the panacea of now, and there's a lot, basically there's a lot of harm going on, on, um, uh, that you can't, like I, I had, um, I interviewed you, do you remember Barbara Ali? Yeah.
3: Baba?
2: Yeah, I. I oh, he to... had
3: a site, didn't he? Like yeah, he still half got a it, date. Half,
2: it? half. No, half. What was it
3: half Aldeen? Half Aldean. <laughs> Why did I think of date? I don't know. Half, half, half com, Right. Yeah, and the yeah, thing
2: sorry, is, that, yeah. Yeah, and it was very. It was interesting that. It, um, but just generally, I like. I'm thinking like, uh, my son and my daughter. They're both over twenty.
1: Okay. And the things awesome. they
2: tell me, Fatima. I'm sure you know already, but. The thing is, it's like basically all the haram stuff is going online and these dating, like, well, we're trying to, we're looking to get married. No, you're not. You're, this is just a, become a, some people are, but it's just, um, it's like, what can I say? It's like a, a license to commit haram. Like, you hook up through there. It's been made, but committing has become so easy. You can do it all online and then you can meet up. But these marriage apps, and what they're doing is that they are under the guise of marriage, but they're not. It's just like Tinder. That's what it basically is. Because, um, yeah. And but so, is it really like uh, when you say, you know, what
3: dating? Me, do you mean like ending in haram? Then,
2: yeah. Infamacy, yeah. Intimacy, or you have well, okay. So, so the stuff like, for example, was it just like kept, hanging out? Well, which is bad you,
3: as well but um. yeah
2: so you message each other and it's not conversation like there's um it's just to find people online but then you're exchanging photos even just the conversations it it's done under the guise that we are looking to get married but actually right. you're, it, you're not and and that's the again this is that it's like it's a bit like you know modest fashion was never about hijab you know these <laughs> marriage apps are not about nikah they're about, you know, very few. Some do get married, but I just think that's being put because the problem that women, they're saying, where are these men? How do I find them? Where are they? Mm. My parents, unfortunately, my parents don't know anyone. with all, you know, their parents, and then their parents are saying, you go and find him. They're are saying, wow. yeah, like they're saying, we don't know anyone. You're right, we live in England. We don't know anyone anymore. We <laughs> don't want to marry anyone. But so we, we don't have this massive community. And so you just go and find um, the guy. Or the girl, and they're going online. And so for example, you know, I don't know if you were the chapter about desire to be desired. It was experience. Yeah. One. Yeah. And the thing is that okay, her issue, she was saying that it's because um she wasn't uh, stereotypically attractive, but even it was the whole can, can
3: you explain the, the situation for read for for viewers who, who haven't heard it
2: about the lady? Oh, oh, so so yeah, so there's a chapter. Where sister describes it's called the chapters called the desire to be desirable and so mm. she's in a situation where um okay she's over 25 now and like many muslim women she's was thinking um okay her parents they don't know anyone they, they she's asked them, can you find someone they've said no we can't they don't have a big circle of friends or you know to go to lots of family gatherings and then mm-hmm. add that on top of that the whole covid situation so you're not so going to many social gatherings. So then she went online and thought, I'm, I'm going to try these um, so-called Muslim marriage apps that are there to help you find a spouse. Now, her experience was very that she basically felt like a product by the end of it, in that you have to take certain selfies. You have to present yourself in a certain way. You might mm. buy- description about yourself so you're selling yourself selling yourself yeah and Mm. then you put yourself out there in front of all of the world to see and you are now getting likes people you know they're judging you based on your looks and your description but what they're doing you know they're just swiping and swiping and what and she stayed on there for a good while and this was a very famous uh well-known muslim app and she basically said the whole experience made her feel so Um, unwanted undesirable because you know it was you're being judged that someone can't even be bothered to message you you know they're just or they (laughs) it's literally
3: superficial right like
2: so and and it was now I had never gone through that experience but reading that it just made me feel so it was so dehumanizing I thought that men and women but women in particular they're going on there and they're trying to like please you know pick me please someone show me some attention please and then and then this is the problem if someone does show you attention then they're messaging you and then this sister didn't have this experience but others have told me and when i've looked at reviews of muslim marriage apps they will say that you get um it can turn very um the conversations can be very sleazy can be very um sexual yeah men are not on there they're not they can get away with not wanting to marry you having these conversations and then very trying to say to you let's go into a different platform let's whatsapp each other or let's telegram each other and then the requests for selfies where you're not in hijab or even revealing selfies and they're Mm. saying again now it's like this game you have to play and how are you supposed to sift through who is genuine and who wants to get married and who doesn't and if you don't play that game then just forget it so again mm. people think that these uh, the muslim marriage apps um promote themselves and advertise themselves as a solution to the, the marriage crisis that women men and women are facing that how the, the question that where do you find a decent guy you know where do you find aren't
3: there more islamic ones like more I don't know vetted ones and i don't know the
2: only website that i would recommend is half al Dean, which is um, mm. run, um run by Bob ali in, in us um because they have their privacy is really important um they have lots of questions and questionnaires you have to fill in you can not mm. have your picture shown on there it it just was, it's it's more the it's, it's, it's got an Islamic ethos and it's very marriage minded. Whereas these ones, I really do just see them as copies of Tinder, they're Muslim versions of, of Tinder. And again, mm, I think the real
3: like circumventing uh, our Islamic uh, ideals through using an app, right? Just yeah. like and, give and it then... the veneer of Islamicness Absolutely. or Muslimness. And, but, and again, yeah. you
2: just see from the type of pictures, they'll have very pretty, um, fair muslim women who fit this the beauty ideal and it's like they want to attract men to get onto there and and Mm -hmm. whereas the um compatibility it's all based on pictures and a very short description and the thing is that Mm -hmm. i think again this is a reflection of the muslim community that we should be creating like i think alhamdulillah we have the potential example, through our mosques, I know many mosques do this, but through mosques, we could organise marriage events, you know, in a halal environment, you know, uh, doing education on pre-marriage, running pre-marriage courses for the youth. Mm. And then even as far as our entrepreneurs, I know these are just ideas um, that creating Islamic, Islamic marriage apps rather than, you know, just copies of, of kind of um, Tinder, that because yeah. the, need, the need is there we should cater for it inshallah but so that these or these well, maybe good
3: old-fashioned uh nosy aunties you know <laughs> <laughs> maybe we need some <laughs> we need to to reinvigorate the nosy auntie population <laughs> or maybe we need to become nosy aunties i don't
2: know oh gosh yeah that's a
3: because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that's the thing for it. like although we we like Think like we roll our eyes at the idea of you know the auntie is like oh you're still single sort of thing right <laughs> you know like really cringy sort of no. scenarios that used to take place right. um
2: But but then Fatima, there is a
3: reason for that you know yeah,
2: like that, those that, aunties. But isn't this interesting? Wished Where, you well. <laughs> you know. Uh, being concerned is now about your the young women that you know is seen as interfering now. Yeah, and, you know mm. that this that a genuine love for your for the young women in your family and that you know okay maybe the way it was put was wrong but it's seen as no this is my life don't interfere um don't yeah. you know why are you telling me I need to get married I'm fine uh, I don't need a man it, it, you know it's I hear why don't I, we. Have a lot why don't that. we
3: share i was thinking why don't we share like just because i i feel like a lot of young people they get a lot out of hearing other people like how did you find your spouse you know oh goodness me! Uh, <laughs> no because we need to share those stories because yeah. i think people otherwise just don't don't have ideas you know
2: yeah um so so fatima you you're gonna go first
3: <laughs> okay yeah so for me i, I was um i, I was 18 and I was in Egypt or 17 when I was in Egypt and um, I actually met somebody who I wanted to marry Mm -hmm. uh, who was just the wrong person (laughs) you know like completely the wrong person Um, but I'm sharing this because I kind of want to show people that you know one of the great things about good parents is that they don't have an unrealistic view of you you know they realize that you're a human being Mm -hmm. and that you have feelings, and that you might get attracted to somebody, or you might want to marry someone, or you might come to them, if you have a good relationship, and say, I want to get married, you know, Um, and I'd met somebody, and uh, I was quite lonely in Egypt, you know, Um, without any family for the first time as a teenager, and the person had proposed to me, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, flattered right as anything i wasn't really thinking straight um so my parents caught wind of this <laughs> okay and uh my
2: because, because <laughs> parents are telepathic <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes and my mom was over there in the on the first flight you know sort of thing and um but i'm sharing this because of the way my mom re- reacted she was so understanding you know and she realized that i'd been really lonely while i was in egypt and that I. I needed family and I needed connection with her. And so she showed me a lot of love, a lot. And she, I remember her telling me, look, you know, we're willing to meet this person. Let's go and meet him. Let's go and meet his family. And so the fact that she was willing to even consider meant that I felt really good about that 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 my parents respect me even though I was 16 or 17 right (laughs) which I don't think I would have been as understanding (laughs) with my kids to be honest you know (laughs) but my mom was like really understanding about it and she said look your future is bright we we care about you we want we're going to help you find somebody who's just going to be perfect for you you know so I felt really good about that and when I met him with my mom uh I realized he was the wrong person you know Uh like it almost reminded me of what my identity really was and you know he wasn't really practicing the way that that my family is you know and just having my mom there kind of took the rose tinted glasses away you know so and I sometimes share that with with parents and say look my mom she never allowed that incident or that kind of to hang over me, do you know what I mean? Like she didn't allow it to be like a negative thing. In fact, if anything, she she, she just left it. And then it kind of, I just myself realized this wasn't right, you know, uh, this, this wasn't the right person. And then when I got back to UK, after studying there, my parents just realized she should get married, you know, because she wants to, and we should be helping her. So uh, there was a very nice lady uh, she's an author, actually. She passed away. May Allah um have mercy on her. Her name is al Nissa. She wrote um some tafsir books, uh, mashallah. She uh, happened to know my husband's family and my family, and she just arranged for our families to meet one day. And my mom tricked me. She didn't tell me that they were coming to see me for marriage. Oh. And she said, We're going to the we're going to Regent's Park Mosque. So we went to Regent's Park Mosque. And I saw this brother, okay, and his and a lady, and they're like looking at me from far. And I'm just like, I really want to attend this lecture by it was Siraj Wahaj, you know, he was oh, in town. Wow. And, yeah, yeah, and I was just 18 at the time. And um, and but they were looking at me a bit too intensely. So, and my mom was like, uh, Fatima, come and meet this auntie, right? <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're standing there in Regent's Park Mosque, the foyer, you know, the massive foyer, and yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I started thinking, why is my mom want getting me to meet these people, right? And like, a, there's a brother as well, right? My mom doesn't usually do that. So, <laughs> but I was just, and I was a bit rude as well. I was like, no, I have to go. Oh, Salam alaikum auntie, yeah, you know, sort of thing. Uh-huh. And then I just went down to the talk. And um, while I was sitting there listening to Siraj Wahaj, <laughs> I was like, that was really weird. Oh my God, my mom, <laughs> I'm sure I've just been viewed, you know, I've just been uh-huh. viewed by somebody. But my that's how my mom used to do it. Like she actually liked having like a external meeting mm-hmm. where the family's just kind of meet in passing initially so that there's no kind of pressure, right? Mm-hmm. and then either family could follow up do you see right mm-hmm. yeah uh, and then that's what happened Then they came around and we would go around and
2: oh alhamdulillah yeah so alhamdulillah yeah
3: <laughs> sorry that was my long story
2: no that was lovely I love hearing stories <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. alhamdulillah I know it just that, that sounds nice and simple isn't it it's uh <laughs> yeah yeah and it was all
3: through introduction of families right like
2: yeah uh,
3: I- Mm. I,
2: I do think it, it's a shame that but then this is just the way life is now that we don't if you you know people get like taking the time to get involved and be willing yeah. to you know say oh consider this person i do think people are less willing to do that probably because they don't want to be blamed if anything goes wrong i know that's sometimes really? when mm. my, when when um me and my husband first got married we were constantly a humble I heard that the hadith, I can't remember the exact words, that if you help two people to get married, a tree is planted for you in Jannah. And I thought, okay, yeah, he's got a lot of friends, I've got friends, let's see if it works out. And so, but, and that's why being friendly, you know, having, socialising in a halal way for people, it's good, you know, good to do that if you want to get married, inshallah.
3: So, what's your marriage story? Uh,
2: Not so. How were you
3: introduced to? Yeah,
2: not so interesting. Um, It's all right. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, and then I think nothing too exciting. Uh, Mm. My husband saw me at an Islamic talk. Um, You know, it was it was segregated. Um, And then he then, funnily enough, he knew my brother because the thing is that we were all going to talks. Then I think that was quite the we we'd be going to. lectures and so then he knew my husband my my husband knew my brother he then spoke to him and then um what was what was interesting was and I think this is uh, my family in the situation that I think a lot of women are in now living in in UK that we didn't have we had no other family here it was just my brother. so and so there were my parents had friends but none of them like were Islam like no, as far as they didn't want to marry anyone in hijab. There was no one they knew who they could say, yeah, you'll be compatible. they again like they knew me that I needed to marry someone Islamic and I couldn't marry someone cultural at all. And going back home wasn't uh, an option at all. So in a, in a way they kind of said to my brother that I think you're going to have to help for get married because we don't know anyone who well she could she would like or. Uh, would like her because you know she's got that thing on her head now and it's not, it's not easy to get her married with that on because there weren't many hijabis uh, back then mm. um, so yes yeah, so then, and then we did it through there but interesting my husband is Gujarati he's not um, and there are um, I, what, what is your
3: parents culture? Uh, your...
2: we're Pakistani um, okay. wish you from mm. um, but the thing that our culture the thing is my husband isn't cultural at all And Mm. I'm not very cultured. I'd say apart from food, that is the main thing. We both (laughs) like curry. Um, Mm. That that was the, uh, curry and roti is very important. Um, But Mm. so we had enough, like not being from the same culture wasn't a problem. And funnily enough, like my in-laws could speak Urdu and they could understand it. And I very quickly, I can understand Gujarati now. Um, It wouldn't be too hard if I, you know, for me to have learned it, but my husband doesn't speak it that much. So the culture culture wasn't so important. So I think we got on fine because I can, inshallah, I can genuinely say our, we kind of took our culture from Islam and whatever's yeah. allowed as far as, you know, you know, you can adopt from other cultures as long as it doesn't contradict Islam. We're that yeah. kind of, that's what's kind of happened. And I think from what I noticed, and, and this is what's quite interesting, like even though like for my parents, Ur, like Urdu speaking was very important. But mm. guess what? No, my kids don't speak Urdu. And my husband's kids, uh, my kids, my husband's kids, silly thing. Our kids don't speak Gujarati either. They just speak English, which is a shame. But I think that's kind of second generation kids of immigrants. Um, the second language acquisition, I, I studied this at uni. That's, that's why I'm sorry. I'll go on about a bit. It kind of gets lost. And it's nice mm. if you can keep your mother tongue. But I think more and more our kids are not keeping their the, the mother tongue. And mm. the, the, the culture, I think, especially because we're getting more of a global culture, that seems to be taking precedence. But yeah, yeah that, that's things to, uh, you know, when people say culture, like there's a point comes once you, like third generation kids living in the West, their culture is getting really, is very, very different to what their grandparents' culture was. Mm. So that's something to just, you know, to bear in mind.
3: Yeah, I think for me, I, I actually really loved my in-laws oh,
2: I'm <laughs> in the
3: meetings. I actually okay. really loved my father-in-law, like right oh. from the beginning. He was like so funny.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and so, yeah, I, it, and then my husband just proposed, like, oh. uh, um, I think he proposed over the phone t- uh, through my dad and, yeah, and then the rest oh, was history, alhamdulillah. That. but yeah, that, that's interesting, like uh with you know, you and your husband having kind of different backgrounds. I mean, people think Asians are all the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, <definitely. laughs>
3: but actually, um uh, within the community there are certain nuances, aren't there?
1: Yeah.
3: Mm. So was that ever an ever an issue, do you think? Or um were well, both yeah, funnily quite...
2: enough, um, People did say, "Oh, it's not going to work out because um, Yoga Jai and she's Pakistani." Uh, and you know, but, um, but what's funny? I think my parents were more okay because, you know, I um, because originally they were from India and they they, they were hmm. and they moved. So my dad didn't have a, a problem with him being um, Indian because uh, he, he'd lived in Delhi himself. But I think so. For, I'll be honest; that wasn't a big deal. I think it did boil yeah. down to. Um, my husband's character and personality that if my dad hadn't one he he knew I had to marry someone Islamic so he ticked that box but if my dad hadn't got on with him he literally would have kicked him out the door he was you know he's that blunt but he he just really liked him and he thought yeah he's nice and then also because my brother knew him that was where the reference Mm -hmm. came and that that we did the families met and my husband used to come to see my family and it's funny, like seeing him playing with my niece. Like, not every guy will just pick up a baby and start playing. Mm. With them. And so, you have this is again the advice I give to sisters in the book that you take your time and you see them in different environments. Different environments, and yeah. They, and that is how someone reveals their character. You
3: know? And the way they speak to their own mom, for example, oh, the yes. way they, you know, like, uh yeah absolutely who their friends are all of that
2: yeah yeah that's it and so that's it so again the importance of family and you really just need to gauge um you know and even going i would suggest the families all going out to dinner see how they treat the waiter you know it's different Mm -hmm. things like that like they'll treat you okay because if they want to marry you they'll they'll treat you however you they think you like but um when they're in front of other people and they're being slightly tested, and their patience is being tested, and they're, you know, mm. and does it? It's just things. No one can act and pretend for an extended period of time that long. Mm. Yeah. So, Alhamdulillah get, getting and again getting the men in your family. And if, for example, let's say you don't have, I'm sure you know, let's say you don't have brothers, but getting your cousins, maybe you know, there's always ways to get other people involved who you trust and who's judgment you trust um, because that's you know again we we can't just go on our own judgment we we can make mistakes and that, that's alhamdulillah that that's and and of course do dua and do istikhara they are you have to do those two
3: definitely definitely jazakallah khair and sister Farah. i think that's a good good place for us to uh, end the discussion yeah um i've really enjoyed our discussion i feel like i could talk to you forever (laughs) we should (laughs) we should have uh further discussions inshallah about uh, these topics yeah for the book so brothers and sisters or sisters especially (laughs) uh this is the book smart single muslima and i just love the way i love the tone of the book you know Mm. it's not patronizing at all it's just like a very savvy older sister just like (laughs) Oh. you know
2: <laughs> filling you in on yeah. everything you know I, I, right? I, I really you know I sincerely when I wrote that book I thought it was uh, I know this is such a cliche from a place of love but it was I really I t- so feel for my sisters that are mm. in this situation and I thought n- we need to help them you know not because yeah. I've got all the answers but we need to say we need Stop we need to realize that Allah yeah. has the answers and that mm. well, when we return to Allah's guidance It will open doors those problems will just inshallah fly out the window and I I would just like to say there is a chapter on how to deal with disappointment because potentially that we we have to be completely honest potentially you you could not get married and that's and so that but then Allah also gives us a way to deal with challenges and disappointment Mm. Uh, because I know women who have reached that age where they're thinking uh, and it's easy to lose hope so I thought I have to include that because we are not, um, you know, again, life isn't a rom-com. There isn't always going to be that version of happily ever after. There are many versions of happily ever after. um, So, I I, thought I had to include that as well.
3: Yeah, I think that's important. And and I hope that that sisters who are listening, they realise that because, you know, sometimes sisters say, well, you know, not everyone is going to get married or whatever, right? Uh, The point is that first of all, we don't want that to be the norm, <laughs> you know, we yes. don't want that to become the norm, right, um, and so it's not to say that people who uh, who end up not getting married have got some kind of blighted life or something, no, I mean, mm. they can, there's so much, you know, so many ways to find meaning and purpose and family and love, you know, in other ways, it's, it's not, you know, looking down on anyone, yeah. but the point is that we also want to tell young women the truth you know about exactly. uh, certain things that are really like that allow you to experience the full range of womanhood right the full range of experiences of womanhood and being a wife and being a mother are very important parts of that so mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> and, yes, and I inshallah it. i will say salam to you now salam alaykum so Jazakum Allahu Khairan uh, brothers and sisters, I hope you really enjoyed and benefited from that discussion and our little stories that we shared as well. Um, inshallah, please do like this video, please share it, tell other people about the Ilmfi podcast. Uh, mashallah it's one of the top podcasts in the UK and in many countries in the Islam category and you've helped that to happen. So. Yeah, I think our messages are resonating with people and the inspiring stories and the inspiring Muslims that we bring on um, are people who speak to you. So, you know, maybe there's somebody in your family or somebody amongst your friends who needs to hear these messages too. So please do share it. Jazakumullah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ash'adu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik.
2: Mainstream media outlets do not cater for the needs of you as a Muslim. There are topics which they will completely ignore. For example, the hijab ban that is happening in India, the Islamophobia that Muslim women all over in the West are facing. They don't even report Palestine or Syria in a balanced manner. So through my podcast and my YouTube channel, I discuss the topics specifically related to Muslim women, that Muslim media sometimes as well, particular mainstream popular culture, will not discuss. Topics like critiquing feminism, topics such as the number of hijab bands, niqab bands that are happening in India, in France, in Canada. These are challenges that Muslim women are facing. And I'm going to keep continuing to shine a light on these topics So, inshallah, I would love your help and support in continuing to create this content for Muslim women, which is challenging the very negative Islamophobic narrative that we are being given. I think as a Muslim creator, we should be producing content that is Islamic, that is well-researched and provides hope to Muslim women and men that as Muslims, when we see an evil, we can change it with our hand we can speak about it or we can hate it in our heart and i think some of us are able to create videos and podcasts and others who are not able to do that like yourself you can support that work as well and gain in the reward inshallah by contributing and supporting to my Patreon page. The link is in the description below. Inshallah may Allah reward you and please do the well for all the Muslims around the world that we can continue to challenge this Islamophobic narrative. But always remember that Allah is with the righteous